Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king, methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Inside Groove Supermodified podcast. Man, it feels good to be back doing a show again. It has been a excruciatingly busy and full last few weeks for me. Um, just finishing up stuff from the summer shootout down here, which ended uh, in the beginning of August a couple of weeks ago. Um, the clients that I had there, that's a, for those who don't know, that's an eight week, 10 race series that happens on Monday and Tuesday nights, um, for legend and bandolero cars at Charlotte motor speedway. And I think a lot of people just sort of look at the size of those cars and, and really don't think much of them as far as kind of their place in the racing ecosphere, but that there are legend cars racing worldwide. It's a big um, it's a big part of racing, part of the grassroots level of racing. Uh, and Bandolero's not quite as, as deep outside the U S as the legend cars are, but, um, these things race on ovals. They race on road courses. They run on dirt tracks. Um, so that just gives you some perspective. They average, I think we averaged about 160 cars a week at the shootout this year, uh, crowd, Spectator crowd was up, which is great. Um, Charlotte and SMI and, and U.S. Legend International, they're all doing a great job with promoting it now. Um, for those who don't know, Marcus Smith, who runs SMI, which is the company that owns Charlotte and Bristol and you know a bunch of other of the NASCAR tracks, um, his son is actually, Graham, is actually running the Legend U.S. Legend International Division. And, um, so Graham has been doing some, some good things and, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a fun deal, but it's a lot of work when you have clients involved and you, you were doing, I, I, the, the things I agreed to do, um, ended up taking me a lot longer of, uh, during each week than I expected <laughs> that they would partly because I'm probably not as fast with things like editing photos as, you know, these, the more seasoned photographers are, but um, so that was, uh, that was big. So we finally finished that up, had some other projects that were, uh, required a lot of time. And, and so, um, you know, definitely did not want to take the break and really didn't intend to, it just became, um, there's only so much of me <laughs> and sleep is not, uh, overrated. So, um, we're back and we got two weeks before classic. And I will say that I hope that I will redeem myself for my absence um, by telling you that we've got all kinds of stuff here. We've got, we're basically probably going to make two shows out of what we've got here this week. So here's what we have. Um, we have, first of all, you're going to hear from Josh Sokolik in a minute. Josh was gracious enough in the midst of, uh, that still trying to solve his, uh, problem with his own car that he had over the weekend. Um, Josh took a few minutes and, and uh, talked with me about his run in the Super on Sunday. So we've got Josh. Uh, we're going to bring you that interview next. 
And then after that, we've got an interview with Mike Bruce. Mike is the new master of the 40 lapper. Um, and uh, Mike's won two. Uh, he's 50% this year. That's a pretty good average. Um, so Michael, Mike, Mike and I got into a conversation about that, but also about, you know, his plans, the cars that he has. We, we talked a little bit about the, uh, the increase of the classic purse and he had, uh, an interesting perspective on that. And really, um, you know, I think you'll find the conversation insightful. He and I kind of went back and forth about, you know, what we thought and some ideas and just, you know, good, bad. Um, there's really nothing bad. I mean, and, and I hope that I want everybody to know right up front that when when you hear this conversation, none of this is meant to disparage, um, you know, a 20,000 to win purse. That's a big deal. Right. Um, but there just are some different perspectives on, you know, on things. And, and um, I think Michael being a low buck racer really has a perspective that, you know, maybe some others wouldn't have on you know on all of that so um he had some things that that you know to comment on about that and and it was some good discussion and so that's coming up on this show now um we've also got jeff abel i'm interviewing as i record this open segment i'm interviewing jeff this evening long overdue interview we actually had him scheduled last week and um I was not able to, to, to do that. Um, so he, uh, he gave me the grace and said, yeah, sure. No problem. Just, you know, uh, so we set it up and, and that's happening. Um, and then we've got Camden proud and you know, Cam and I are going to probably have a long conversation. So I think what we're going to do is this, this is episode 123, which will have this open segment and you'll hear from Josh. Then you'll hear from, Mike Bruce, and then we're going to do what's in the number. And the number is 23, uh, which is going to be kind of fun to talk about. And then that pertains for those who don't know, if you're a rookie listening to the show for the first time, it pertains to the episode number. Obviously, you know, we don't have numbers in the hundreds, no three digit numbers. So we, 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 we started at 36. We've got all the way around. We're up to 23. Um, the relevance of that number in the Swiggo Speedway and Supermodified history. So we'll talk about that. And um, then we will have episode 124 that will come out probably within, you know, two or three days of this. Um, and we'll have Jeff Abel and Camden Proud. And that's how, we'll, that's how that will work. Um, and so you're going to get back-to-back shows. So... <laughs> It's we're kind of doing the rubber band effect. You know, we expanded the rubber band by the delay and then boom, and we're going to come right back and contract with, you know, with uh, two shows almost back to back. So hope that you listen to both of them. There will be no doubt a lot of good content in both the, the other folks. Um, and of course, on episode 124, we'll talk about the number 24 in uh, relevance to a swig of speedway and super modified history. Now, I do want to point out um, one thing, and that is, or, or I guess I want to want not point it out, but I want to let you know, because I always like to thank our sponsors in the opening segment. And sometimes I get talking and forget. Um, but I do want to do it here. First of all, 
Quick comment, Rich Rich Worth and JNS Paving. If you need your driveway paved or your parking lot paved, please, if you're in the greater Oswego, uh, Central New York area, call Rich first. Please call him and give him the business because he gives Super Modified Racing a whole lot of his money and time and effort. And Robbie Worth had a great run on Sunday. Just love seeing that. Came so close. Um, and... Uh, some finally some good luck this year for for the ranch which i was happy about and then uh i also want to thank jeff west and the folks from ipc indy now my comment there is they're back the super modified is done some of you may have seen the picture of it on social media they are running the classic bobby santos will be in the one car for the classic and that should be a whole lot of fun um i just hope that uh, they have a good safe run and can get through the event finish it they've had i think they had a motor go bad um last time and and you know that just that's not good so um hopefully their their trip gets paid off with a good run or a win and boy the car is just gorgeous just a beautiful piece of equipment so uh that should be fun and of course um everybody knows how much i love food so <laughs> we we got to talk about Sean Cathcart and uh, LaGroff's Pub and Skip's Fish Fry as well. Um, Skip's now a mobile truck. And, of course, the Speedway Concession. Please support him while you're at the racetrack. Get yourself a fish. And um, also, LaGroff's, <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, the, the, just the idea of being able to shoot darts from somebody halfway across the world, which apparently is possible. I didn't know that was possible till Sean told me, but um, go uh, go to LaGroff's, get yourself a burger, some great food, and hang out and make that a regular part of your social uh, time. And so thanks to all of those folks for their support of this show. And I, in my head, have always tried to keep the opening segment to under 10 minutes. And if I cut real quick, I can do it. So we're going to be right back with Josh Sokolik right after this. Stay with us. Experience the age-old Irish hospitality at LaGroff's Pub and Grill, a Swiggo's premier local spot to grab a cold one and cheer on your favorite sports teams. Stop in for an ice cold beer alongside some exceptional pub fare. Burgers, wings, chicken sandwiches, Philly cheesesteaks, soups, and more. You want it, they've got it. Served up with more than 40 years of awesome customer service. Have a friendly game of darts against players from across the world. That's right, players from across the world. Where else in Oswego can you go to play darts against somebody from across the world? That's crazy. Watch the games on their eight big screen TVs, or just relax at Oswego's Neighborhood Bar and Grill, LaGroff's Pub, 187 East 10th Street in Oswego. Check them out on LaGroff's.com. Welcome back to The Groove as we kick things off with a young man who we just had on. uh, And I I think it was our last show. And uh, Josh Sokolik back with us uh, because he earned the opportunity. He jumps in Danny Sewell's Super Modified with absolutely no prior super experience and no practice. Jumps in the car, goes out and runs like the wind, finishes 11th in a very competitive field of cars. 
Josh, welcome back to the show and congratulations. That must have been just an amazing, uh, good, good time for you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, it was definitely, uh, you know, it's one of those opportunities that you think, you know, you might never get, or you might never be able to get behind the wheel of a big block, but, uh, I guess it was just, you know, right time and it happened and I, I got my chance to go out and have fun for a little bit. So, boy, did you ever, so talk about like, what was the genesis of this? Did Danny call you up and ask you, or how did this come about? Because I don't think any of us, uh, I mean, obviously this was because Mo had to go back home to work on Sunday. Yeah. So, so we obviously rained out Saturday and they couldn't finish the show. And like you said, Mo had to go back home to work. And, uh, one of the guys that is a big sponsor for me and he, uh, he actually owns part of the car, uh, my car with me. He, um, he's, uh, close with the 32 team and the guy that houses the car, Steve Burns and Danny Sewell. And I think he, uh, wants to try to help them out too. But, um, we met them, I'd say probably a month back and, you know, just hung out in their shop and talked for a little bit. Just, you know, just making connections with people. And, uh, he happened to, uh, give, uh, my uh, co-owner of the car, he gave him a ring Saturday night and asked me if I'd be willing to start and park it Sunday. <laughs> start and park it. Well, um, I don't know too many people that have finished 11th by starting and parking. So how did starting and parking become starting and racing? Uh, we showed, well, we showed up Sunday morning and uh, I got my stuff unloaded and went over to their trailer to you know, see what, see what the plan was for the day. And he had told me that he got me 10 to 12 practice laps after the supers went out for theirs. So I got over and jumped in and he told me, you know, just go out and get a feel for the car and, you know, obviously get comfortable. And they, they, they took their time with me in the morning, get me comfortable in the car. And I mean, they're pretty patient with me running back and forth between my car, you know, trying to fire that up sure. like a million times, trying to figure out the problems with that. But, um, they're, they're patient with me and, uh, they let me go out and take it for some practice laps. And, uh, I was, uh, more, I think I was more concerned with just, you know, I know it's a different animal, you know, for an engine, but more concerned, just getting the thing fired and then even thinking about driving it. But, uh, when I got <laughs> for those practice laps, I, it, it felt a little different, but I, I think I got comfortable with it pretty quick. And, uh, we were just able to see what we could do and, instead of just starting and parking well shoot i think didn't i read that you set like third or fifth fast time or something in the practice yeah in practice we went out and i wasn't even honestly paying attention to the times or or the board i was more so just trying to figure out you know how how far the pedal went down to like you know before it stopped and you know i was i had a full pedal down but um no i came (laughs) in and i didn't even know it and I had my uh, sister's boyfriend, Cole Smith, helping me out, getting me strapped in the car because my dad was tied up with my car. And uh, he looked at me as like, he was like, that was good. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I was like, not not that quick. And he was like, no, you, you were third quick. <laughs> and, uh, what was your reaction? I mean, you had to be shocked. Like I was. I, I was shocked because I came in and as I was coasting into the pits, I kind of looked up at the board and I think they had like the first 15 spots up and – I'll be honest with you. I didn't even look into the top 10 on the left side of the board. I looked at the right side of the board to see the last five spots and I didn't see the, 
the 32 up there and I was like, ah, oh, you know, this is, this is going to be uh, that bad. huh? <laughs> yeah, you know, I was like, man, I, I thought I was doing all right. But uh, <laughs> you thought no, you were I so didn't. bad. You didn't even make the board. <laughs> yeah. I was like, ah, oh. wow. And you were third quick. That's crazy. Okay. So it's one thing obviously to go out and you were by yourself, right? When you ran the practice labs, cause it was, yeah. Proposed. So that's one thing. Now you got to line up. And you're starting basically in the middle of the field, go race the thing. Um, I mean, talk about what, what that experience was like compared to what you're used to with the 350 and the small block, because obviously the speed difference is enormous. Yeah. I mean, so obviously the whole starting park thing didn't happen, but um, (laughs) we, uh, after those 10 laps, we were talking for a little bit. um, And he said, you know, as long as you're comfortable and, you know, if you want to go out and run a little more than that and, you know, see what happens and, you know, kind of just, we worked it out and I told him, you know, as long as it was okay with him is if I go out and I drive the thing till I'm uncomfortable or, you know, if, if I was going to get lapped, I was going to bring it in. Cause I don't want to get in those guys way. They're right. They got their own little point series going on. So, but I wanted to go out and, you know, drive the thing around if he was going to give me the opportunity to which he did. And I mean, it turned out a little better than, than expected, but, um, no, I, uh, I I think it was really different than the 350, just handling-wise. I mean, you have the top wing and you have the, you know, it's a, it's a super. They're both supers, but it's just like I the biggest difference I saw in the two is like I told a lot of people, I feel like a 350 is very snappy on the wheel when you're, you know, loose or not really in full control of the car. But I don't know if it's the size of the tire or what or the engine, but – and the – um and the Isma big box there. I mean, I felt like you could kind of drive the loose car and like put some wheel into it and not have to worry about the thing snapping back on you. And it just kind of made it easier to get more comfortable with a little quicker. Wow. Well, I mean, that, I, that's just, uh, it was, it was a really incredible performance. I mean, you know, it's, it's always interesting when somebody who finishes, you know, 10th or 11th or whatever, or 7th, almost the conversation about that overshadows the winner of the race, but all everybody was talking about after that race that I saw online was you. And, um, and I, I fully understood and, and definitely, uh, agreed. I mean, it was just, that was a, an amazing performance for your first time. Um, I'm curious though, when you got back to the pits, you know, Danny, Danny's been doing this forever. What 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 did he and the crew have to say? What was the conversation after the race? I don't I don't know if it was much of a conversation. I think everybody was just pretty excited that <laughs> I mean, obviously nobody expects, you know, me to hop in the car first time and start twenty third, twenty fourth, whatever it was, and make my way up to eleventh. But I kinda just, you know, I'll use the experience I have at the track and in the three fifteen kinda relied on it but had to be, you know, open to changing it a little bit. But I definitely, you know, I, I, in the 350, I love passing people on the outside, and I didn't shy away from that in that car, and it worked out for me. But going back in the pits, I mean, it was – it was, uh, I mean, obviously it was a good – I thought it was a great feeling that ran all 50 laps and stayed on the lead lap because, I mean, to be honest with you, going out there, that was my goal was to yeah. stay on the lead lap if I was going to run all the laps. I didn't want to go lap down. But, um, no, I, I think, uh, there wasn't, there wasn't really much conversation when I got back. It was just, 
everybody was pretty excited and pretty happy with how it went. And obviously that the, the car rolled back in in one piece. And uh, on top of that, we were able to gain quite a few positions. Well, that's, uh, I mean, with all due respect to Mo Wilgie, uh, you know, it's like Danny, uh, I'm, I'm appealing to Danny, give, get, put this kid in the car for the classic and let's go. Uh, that That's really an incredible uh uh, incredible thing that you did and it, and it it it's more i think it's made even better by the fact that it was so unexpected i mean you you didn't know you were going to have the opportunity literally until the last minute and you got in and took full advantage of it and and did you know you drove smart you didn't uh put the car in any crazy positions and you finished the laps and you passed half the field basically um you know, and you showed the speed to be able to run up front, which is even crazier, you know, with your practice times. Um, and so um, it's uh, it, it really you if if you were making a case for somebody to put you in a big block, you just did. Yeah, no, I mean, I wasn't to be totally honest with you with getting in that car and then realizing when I had the opportunity that I was going to go out and run the feature and run it until, you know, I felt uncomfortable. Yeah. I, I was just going out there and I was just going to, you know, drive my race. And I mean, I think, you know, hindsight, I think I could have done better if I, you know, went back and changed a couple of things. I mean, the biggest thing was, and a lot of people said it uh, around lap 30 on one of the restarts, I took off the uh, left side nose, uh, the sideboard on the nose wing and it just started. Yes. Wow. Started plowing like a dump truck, but before that, I mean, that car was on a rail, and I was, I mean, I felt like I was running people down that were half a straightaway ahead, and I was, I mean, I was, I was definitely in a groove and in a rhythm, and uh, may have shot myself in the foot there, but definitely. <laughs> Well, if that was the biggest rookie mistake that you made, um, I think you're doing okay. Um, yeah. You know, I think you're ahead of the game here. Uh, it was a great audition uh, and um, and certainly a, a great performance. And, you know, uh, it was awesome to watch. It really was. Now, on sort of the opposite side of the coin, um, yours, you're uh, talking to me uh, in the midst of trying to still solve the um, the bug that you have in your 350 and why the thing won't fire up and all that. And uh, so talk a little bit about that because, I mean, as we discussed, it's kind of crunch time here, just the exactly the wrong time for something like this to happen, but it's kind of often the time when it does. Yeah, and um, I mean, we're we're working on it and it just popped up this weekend that, we we fired the car and I went out there and it was it was spitting and sputtering and so I mean we've tried a number of different things whether it was fuel related carburetor related electrical related I mean we've we've tried everything we got and uh, there's there's still some more you know stuff to check off and just try in the next hours here that after we get off the phone we're gonna go try a few more things but um, if uh, we can't get that figured out we're gonna have to get the engine out of the car and take it somewhere to see if we can get this thing up and running by uh this week and hopefully be able to finish off the year strong man oh man well uh we won't uh keep you we will let you get to that because uh you know uh, hours are are uh critical here at this point and we appreciate you taking a few minutes to come and talk to us about that drive that you had over the weekend um i'll just ask you one last question here about that which is what was it like to be in the race car actually running a race basically before noon on a sunday almost oh i mean it was uh it was
was definitely weird. I mean, <laughs> I don't think I ever get up at uh, 7 o'clock on a Sunday. I mean, we didn't uh, – You can. I mean, you can ask my dad the same thing, but we uh, – Saturday night we were out working on that car. We fired up my 350 at 12 and then again at 3 a.m. in the morning. Oh, and man. I think I think uh, I got maybe an hour of sleep, and my dad got half hour of sleep, and we were back up loading the trailer to go back to the track Sunday morning. So, Golly. it was definitely a crunch. But I mean, I think I think we kind of just lost track of time, and we were just, you know, back at the track and racing again. So, so it was probably kind of like it all went by in a blur in a way, right? Yeah, too fast, <laughs> too fast. Never enough time to fix a race car. Oh, man. Well, um, okay, so we got to ask this last question because it's really important. Um, who helps you make all of this stuff happen, man? Uh, my uh, my mom, my dad, and my sister, and uh, my uncle down in Florida, they're big help, and obviously all the sponsors, uh, all weather power equipment. Ed Horn, he owns that, and he um, he's been a tremendous help to my racing and my racing program. Uh, Lakeland Auto, Logos Customer Embroidery, Syracuse Antique Exchange, Lampteaks. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting some people, but everybody knows who they are, and they know they've helped us out a ton. I mean, um, Brian Dana, Dana Longcare, he's helped us out a ton with our problems this year. We had a carburetor problem earlier in the year, and he, he was able to diagnose that quick for us and help us out. And He's been very quick to lend a hand this week and this weekend with our car acting up again so well um we certainly hope that you get the gremlin out of that thing um so that uh, you can go racing the way that you need to uh for championship night and uh, of course the upcoming classic and uh again congratulations on a sparkling super modified debut <laughs> unexpected super modified debut over the weekend this is exactly what i love about racing and especially short track racing when something like this can happen and um you know that that uh, people will remember that and hopefully you'll get another shot at it at some point soon um and uh would love to see you be able to uh i mean again i i was kind of half kidding earlier danny if you're listening to this i'm not saying yeah thank you and Obviously, a big thanks to uh, Danny Sewell and Steve Burns and the crew for letting me uh, wheel that thing for 50 laps. Oh, man, you certainly made uh, you validated their their faith in you for sure. So, uh, again, uh, hope you get everything fixed. Good luck and thanks for being on. That is Josh Sokolik. We're going to step aside. We will be back with more of The Groove right after this. Okay, folks, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors here on Inside Groove, Indy Performance Composites. They're a premier composite design and manufacturing company creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Jeff West and his team are amazing. They do all kinds of work in the motorsports industry from dirt tracks. Welcome back to the show, and we now have the master of the 40 lappers mike bruce is on the show now and uh mike i feel like it's been forever since you've been on a show first of all so it's good to have you back but um man when they decided to um to to do the twin 40s thing i heard a few drivers say i don't know if i'm that crazy about that um 40 laps isn't a long time um i imagine now that we've run them a couple of times and you have two wins <laughs> you probably are, are in favor of about two or three more uh twin 40 weeks next year right 
Yeah, yeah, the uh, the twin forties we've had some luck with. So unfortunately, it's uh, our car doesn't like much after fifty laps. So uh, oh man, um, we haven't quite gotten the the seventy five lappers down yet, but uh, the forty lappers seem to be going our way so far this year. Well. Talk about your season a little bit because um, we it's been a while since we've had John and I, I guess we get back up a little and just um, just have some conversation first of all about the fact that you sort of committed to the big block class this year and um, and you've you've made good on that obviously with a couple wins but um, talk about the decision to do that and then talk about how the season's gone in general for you from your perspective. Yeah, uh, the the season uh, twenty one. Um, you know, when we did the 350 in the big block, we had some success, you know, but not, uh, not, we didn't feel like we ever put all of our eggs in the same basket and focus just on one car. And, uh, when you're running super modifieds against the quality of cars and the quality of drivers and, and the knowledge of the teams, um, you need to be able to put hundred percent effort into, you know, that specific car, um, so that was kind of our thing. You know, we had a couple good runs last year, just bringing the car out for a couple good shows. Uh, we showed good speed at Classic. And, you know, I just kind of told my family and, and my crew chief, Bobby, I said, you know, I want to focus just on this car and, and really see what we can go do, um, you know, running with some of the best open wheel racers in, in, in our area for sure, if not the country, you know. So um, so that's kind of where, where my focus was, uh, to just put everything into the big block. Um, you know, we rebuilt the entire, stripped the car down again all winter long. Uh, right down to bare chassis, freshened up our powder coat, you know, replaced every nut and bolt, went through all the parts, built spares, built new bodies, prepped the car, uh, changed some stuff to get me a little more comfortable in it. Okay. Um, everything that we would typically do all winter long. And uh, and that's been our focus all, all summer this year. Well, it, it certainly seems to have paid off. I mean, you know, you've, you've won two races. Um, you've been fast. Uh, and again, like you said, you haven't had as much luck in the longer races. What do you, what do you think, um, what, what does that get attributed to? Have you kind of figured out or have a, I mean, you got, uh, you got a big one coming up here in, uh, in a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I don't have the answer for that one yet. We just, uh, we, we always have great speed out of the box, um, we always show great speed out of the box. We haven't just, we just haven't gotten the long distance race down yet. So, um, we're, we've been practicing, changing, making a few changes, trying to test this, test that. But, um, unfortunately there, the season is so short for super modified racing, yeah. um, on wing aspect of it that you really don't have, um, many opportunities. I think we only had one or two 75 lappers this year. Um, you know, before we go into the big 200 for classics. So uh, you don't get to test a whole lot on that, but um, as far as, you know, consecutive laps, you know, 75 lappers, you can always practice your second week and know that that's close to a 75 lapper, but there's just too much that goes into changing that. So we've been making changes and and I think we'll, we'll have a pretty good setup for, for classic and, and always show great speed when, when we throw stickers on and then uh, be able to stay consistent for the whole 200 also. So I'm looking forward to classic this year. Um, see what we can do for the whole 200 lapper now i mean people make a a big deal of the car counts um but i feel like this year um we may not have 24 cars every week but the the amount of competition that we've had um and just the way that the the weeks have played out uh and the variance in the distance of the races and all that i feel like it's been extra competitive this year at the speedway and i think for the most part the big blocks are putting on really exciting shows yeah 
Yeah, the uh, the racing has been decent. We've became such aero-dependent cars that it yes. makes it difficult for drivers. Um, and when it makes it difficult for us drivers, it's going to make it not interesting for the fans. Um, you know, when, when we're in the seat and we're driving the cars ourselves, we know what it takes to try to work in the high lows, to try getting the, the drive off the corner, to get underneath somebody, uh, to blow it into the outside, you know. And, and that's yeah. always exciting for us at 100 and, you know, whatever, 40 miles an hour. <laughs> worth of, you know, so, um, you know, where the, the average fan might not see that excitement for us. Um, so unfortunately, the you know the cars have gotten so fast and so aero dependent that that uh, you know we hope I hope that something can be done to make the racing a little more exciting for our fans because that's uh, that's our ultimate goal is for us drivers to have fun and the fans to enjoy it. So um, the competition, the top you know 10, 12 cars every single week are within such tight uh, tolerances as far as especially when we time trial or, or heat races, you know, that it's, it's uh, nearly impossible to pass anybody because we're all so, so fast, um, you know, between the top 10, 12, there's, you know, just 12 of the best open wheel drivers, you know, that are there racing yeah. each other. See, I feel like that's the biggest thing is, and, and I don't know, you know, I've, I don't really know how you fix it at this point, but I, I feel like um, once you guys kind of get spread out, it's just so hard to close in and pass somebody without traffic because you're all running about the same speed. I think, I think that's, you know, I think a lot of people see that and I don't really know what the answer is at this point, how to, how to change that. Yeah, the I'm very inexperienced with a lot of super modified knowledge. I'm, you know, only my my first full year or second yeah. full year. So so I I try to kind of tread lightly when I speak on the subject, but um, there's ways that they can change it. But it's not your typical super modified fashion. Race cars aren't meant to be slowing down. They're not meant to make changes to slow us down. That's the best thing that would be for us. But, you know, super modifieds are the baddest ground pounding, you know, fuel injected race cars in, in the Northeast without question. Um, you know, we're not meant to go slow, you know, racing is all about speed, 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 speed. And that's what we as drivers and teams and owners shoot to find every single week is right. more speed. I think, um, the... go ahead. So, so they could slow us down. There's ways that they could definitely slow us down with, um, you know, taking away arrow and downforce, you know, making you run a smaller front wing, smaller rear wing, you know, different placement of the rear wings instead of having it up so high, creating all the downforce, we could lower it down into the car. Uh, I wouldn't create as much downforce if it was lower, um, you know, below the top of the chassis or something. There's, there's stuff that they could do. Um, you know, there's stuff that they could definitely do to slow us down and, and to, to, to make the racing a little better for everybody. There, but, there for sure is. But here's my question. And, and see, I bet, look, I, I, I'm an advocate of, I'm an advocate of the fact that we don't need to be running 15 seconds, but here's my question. If they, if they make a rule change and the rule change is the same for everybody and it slows the speeds down a second for everybody, isn't is that not still the same thing, but at a slower speed? Is it the speed that's making you not pass? Or is it the fact that all the cars are so doggone equal at this point? Um, it's both. You know, if the cars are so equal and um, if the cars are so equal and the speeds are so high, it makes it nearly impossible, which is which is where we're at. Yeah. Uh, if you slow the cars down naturally, um you know, they're, you're going to be able to make passes easier, but ultimately you're, you're making changes and nobody likes changes once everybody gets a right, package. Right. 
But if you make changes, it takes a little bit for people to gather it up. You know, you look at the 350 division, you've got five different classes of cars there, in my opinion. You got the phenomenal cars, you got the mid-pack cars, you got the bad cars, you know, you got all these different cars that are going there, and everybody's trying to learn, you know, what you need to have a, a fast 350 package there. And it makes for great racing because you don't have just top uh, – I like Joey Hawksby. He's helped me out tremendously. Him and I have a great relationship, but he has made super modified racing what it is today because of the badass, excuse my French, but the, the bad car that he's you know, built and they're just top notch. Everything, everything about these cars are perfection. Um, and, and it makes it hard to be able to not be perfect and, and put it in driver's hands. Yeah. See, I think, <laughs> I think Clyde Booth started that because he had the first one and, and, the, and, you know, I don't know that you look at that car, Somebody needed, in order for this whole era to be prevented, which hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? So, like, in order for the era to be prevented, somebody would have need to have been enough of a visionary to look at that car design and go, uh, no, because that's literally going to obsolete everything else on the racetrack and in garages as it sits and it's gonna it's gonna become the new super modify well uh, you know whatever reason nobody nobody sort of thought about that or looked ahead or or or, and i'm not you know i don't know that you could have even necessarily forecasted it but as soon as like you said joey took it and started building them and mass marketing them, and that's kind of where um and and i can't blame joey for that joey saw an opportunity and he took it and good for him because um you know it's it's been a great business for him and for paulie and, and everybody else but um yeah just a really interesting conundrum because i feel like the only way that you change the racing is to um to like you said you've got to go backwards in terms of arrow and downforce and you know i i understand that that's a that's a you're you're treading probably a very fine line here and um you know you're 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 gonna upset upset some folks and it's a it's a tough deal but um it's it's just an interesting an interesting situation that's developed and i don't know how you really get out of it at this point yeah the uh funny thing on that jay andrews posted a uh, memory just a couple weeks ago ironically okay. i was out to joey's working on my 350 car and, and i read it to him and it was back in 2014 i believe it was and it was an interview with joe hawksby that he did for his write-up in the gator i believe or whatever Ariato, yeah Ariato, he was writing for and it was joey hawksby saying exactly what you just got done saying that if they went this route that he has people that have unlimited checkbooks that he can design up and build the biggest baddest race car and it's going to be the worst thing for super modified racing he, yeah. he said in a in a discussion that we is is a track um and then he said in an interview also um and and him and i kind of talked on it because we were talking about super modified racing and, and this that and next thing like we typically do and um and and the way that he described it is there's only a few people select few people around our area and even in different states around our area that can build what he's building or right, what right you know Clyde's building. I don't know Clyde personally at all in any way, shape, or form, so I don't know what he builds. But but there's only a few select people in our area that can build a super modified the way that Joe Hawksby does. Um, and he didn't want it to be that way because the average racer can't go to their shop and build a super modified anymore. If you want to be able to compete, you know, and, and win races, right? With 
So, so it was kind of ironic that, 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 you know, 2014, he was, he was speaking on that. And here we are, you know, 2023, you know, beating our heads against the wall about saying this. Well, same yeah, thing. by then Clyde, um, that's the, the car and Clyde owns the, the silver bullet that Mike Orway Jr. Drives. That's his car. And he's built tons of these, um, for himself. He doesn't, he doesn't really build them for others, but, um, 1995, he brought out the first one and Steve Joya tested it. And then Pat Abel drove it a while. Um, and then Ordway took over over senior um and uh and he had a plethora of other drivers in between until he got to Orway junior but um you know when he brought that car out i i've said all along that that car it what that that was the car they were all worried about jimmy's rear engine car back in 79 obsoleting everything else in the field that car of clyde's instantly made every other super modified on the racetrack with it into a second class car um, now it took a little while to obviously get it going and get it perfected or whatever. But once they figured it out, every time that car showed up, it won or, or it was the fastest if it, if it didn't win and, you know, lowered the track record a couple times. Like, so this whole era, I think that started in 95. So if Joey's saying that in 2014, we were already, you know, um, we're already almost 20 years into that era by that time. And, and, and it's, it's just interesting how, and I, and I don't want to belabor the point because I don't, and I don't want to seem like I'm, you know, poo-pooing on anything, but it's just, it was, it's just interesting discussion of how do we make some, how do we make this better? Um, you know, because we've got, you know, we've got what we've got for car count, but if you're going to grow the class, somehow you've got to figure out something and I, and you know, everybody thinks it's money. We're going to find out because classic, Classic is awesome. I mean, they've, you know, 20,000 to win. It's like every super modified in existence, if it's money, every super modified in existence with a motor that runs ought to show up at the speedway and try to qualify for it because, you know, I mean, there's not that many of them in that situation. It's like, you know, I think um, this is the biggest classic purse in a long time. So, you know, it's, it's just a, like I said, it's an interesting back and forth and, I try to be constructive and I'd rather you guys give me your opinion than me just spout mine because you're the ones driving them and you, you, yeah. you know what it takes, right? Yeah. The, the classic thing is interesting and it's definitely headed in the right direction. Nobody can be you know negative about it, but at the of end of the not. day, you know, 20,000 to win, there's a handful of cars, maybe two handfuls of cars that have a legitimate chance at potentially winning a, 200 lap race there so you get all the low buck teams or the guys that are just coming in there's not a team out there that only runs at oswego one time a year that's going to come in and win the classic and that's my opinion and i could be wrong it could happen but very slim chances that a team from ohio or new england or any of these cars are coming in from you know one race and and winning the classic so two thousand dollars start money for them doesn't even cover their tires to come out and race for the weekend and that's where that's where the issue is the 20 grand is great and it should attract people and two thousand dollars is better than what it was last year and i don't even know what it was last year but it still is such a super expensive division to be able to run to be able to get the um you know you need the mike bruce's and the jack patrick's and um you know they're the the, the vays and and all of us lower buck teams prouds, yep. running super the prouds yes all of us that are lower buck teams be able to go to classic whether you think you have a chance we all go to the track thinking we have a chance to win um otherwise we wouldn't be doing it but you know at the end of the day you know that's a huge race and it's a huge expense to all of us teams um 
you know, and, and that's what's going to draw in being able to get bigger car counts is that the that you could still go there and race the classic knowing you're fielding a car and not having a chance to win and not losing your wallet at the end of the day. And and that's my opinion of it from a, from a low buck race team, you know? Well, and you know, I'm not going to be tacky enough to clap into the microphone, but I've said all along that it, that money to win only matters to the, the wealthiest, the most, uh, the biggest buck teams, the, the, it, it, and I'm not, I'm, I'm taking this into a bigger context, not just supers. When we see it in go-karts, it's, it's the, you know, all of the, uh, the, the arrive and drive, the tents, the manufacturers that bring their own, you know, 50 riders in on their brand new chassis to go win 50 grand or 20 grand or whatever it is, you know, in these sure. different, right. So, and so it's the, the easier you make it for someone to go to the track and start. I would rather see it be 10 to win or 12 to win and and then make it three or four to start. And uh, now you've got an opportunity where you could go there and at least break, even if not make a little money just to start the race. And yep. I, I've never understood. I think these big money to win shows make great publicity. Um, you know, they you know, they generate excitement. Who's going to win the 50 grand, but it's like, what does last place pay? And, you know, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. Last year, doubled the start money for a late model race that he was going to enter because of the exact same thought process. He believes that it's important to make it as economical to go race period, and then worry about the winning part later. So I wish that rather than raise the the winner's share of the purse, I wish they would have taken all that extra money and put it at the back. And I think that's where you, you got to go because racing now is too expensive. But I, I appreciate you saying that as a low buck racer because it certainly yeah. carries more weight coming from you than it would coming from me. So <laughs> yeah. well, that's, that's 100%. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not taking any shots at anybody that's no. worked hard. To, to get us the money and the finances and they're going in the right direction. Exactly. But 20, 20,000 to win doesn't appeal to me. You know, if it was 3000 to start, you bet your butt I'm going to be a classic and me and 15 other low buck teams that are going to be there for 3000 to start, you know, yeah. cause that, that, you know, that's, that's what there's a bazillion drivers out there that would hop in mediocre cars that know they're not going to go out and win in it, but they would start the classic just to be able to run the fame classic. Mike Nettishin is yes. one that I, off the top of my head he would love to run a non-wing super classic he's been looking for a ride for a couple of years and and it's never panned out for him but it's another one of them scenarios where it's you know if he was to come in and drive a car for somebody you know is he's going to come out and spend five six grand <laughs> in tires and fuel and whatever else have you for the weekend to to start for 2000 you know and, and yeah. that's, that's not something many low buck teams are going to be doing you know well and that's you know that's the thing it's like and i'm i mean i'm totally in favor of limits on tires um i would have liked to have seen it be a one-day show and not have qualifying on friday at this point make it as cheap for the team to travel in run the race and if they have to stay sunday night because of rain so be it but then you know um be able to to go back home i just i understand that three races is a lot in a day totally get that too but um you know what i mean like it it i think that we're in a different time economically and i think you have to think a little differently and right now i think the more money that you have at the back 
of the purse, the more cars you have. And I think the combination of that and and getting back to um, promoting the Oswego Speedway and the, the, the classic like they used to and really making it because that was always the thing. You always Oswego was always the basically the Mecca for super modifieds. I think it still is, but it's just not as important because there are guys that have cars that are within an hour or two of the track and don't show up to race. So I think that's a combination of economy and, you know, and sort of motivation there. Yeah. Super modified is not meant for, you know, super modified racing is not meant for the financial stable or, or whatever the word is that I'm looking for, I guess, you know, they're yeah. expensive. They're top notch. They're expensive. You yep. know, they're not meant for, you know, they're not meant for tire limitations. You know, if, if, you know, Joe Schmo has a million dollars, he wants to come in and buy 10 sets of tires and go practice, 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 practice. That's what super modified racing is. Unfortunately, but there's only a handful, 10 people in the world that can do that. Right. So you're only a 10 car field unless you start changing the, the outlook of what super modified racing is, you right. know, and opinion, there's ways that you can do it. Like you just said, limit it down to two sets of tires instead of maybe three sets. You Correct. Know, COVID was the best, I hate to say it. COVID was the best thing for tire scenario yes. at, at classic because we, we were limited to, to two sets, you know, and, uh, and that's the best thing for didn't hurt the know, racing at all. Nope, not one bit. You know, there's, um, you know, there's certain things that they could do, and, and, and I don't even know what the tire rule is, so I, I'm not trying to speak out of place. Right. Maybe they have a two, you know, two set tire or, or something this year. I'm not sure, but, um, you well, know, just, but ultimately, it, it's it's a small group of people that love super modified racing that have to all come together and put their heads together to right. figure out a way to. Um, Tom, you know me, and many, many, many people know me, and I love racing. I don't care if it's exactly. the games on Wednesday night or Thursday nights. I don't care if it's the SPS, the 350s, big blocks, dirt car, whatever it is. And when I come in and tell my crew that this was just not fun to me anymore, that says something to me because I love racing, you right. know. And super modified should be fun, and I know that it's it's a you know it's a great opportunity that I've had and everything of the sort. But when I'd rather go do an SPS race. Because uh, I had more fun, you know, wheeling a 602, you know, uh, uh, SPS car limited, you know, it's a, that says something that's yep. volume. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, is it's a, it, you know, I, I understand, like you said, there's, there's only, you know, I, I have been an advocate over the years for how to make it, how to make super modified racing less expensive and nobody wants to, to change tires. Nobody wants to, you know, to do anything with the motors. So like, if you're not going to, to to do anything with the car, then you have to somehow find other ways to cut operational costs because if you want the Mike McVettas and the locks and everybody else, the Netishans, to be able to travel six, seven, eight hours um, and spend all that money, which is sunk cost because travel costs what travel costs. You can't make that cheaper, especially with a race car. Um, you know, you you then you, you know, you gotta, you gotta do something with the back end of the purse so that they know that at least at the end of the night, they're going to have most or all of their money back. And I think that's, if you can, if you could, could, you know, we've, I've, I've had discussions with people about flat purses, uh, before and, and nobody thinks that's a good idea because, you know, there should be an incentive to win. Well, fine, but it, there should it should be closer to where you get more cars 
to be able to compete. And then that way it makes, makes the show better for the fans. And I think that's where we've kind of lost it because the, the guys that would, would want to come can't afford to come and guys like you struggle to get, you know, to do it. Um, and so thankfully, like I said, you've won a couple, um, and, and, uh, hopefully, you know, uh, you can run real well the next two weeks and, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to do this, um, just because I can, because somebody would want me to, um, is it too early to think about 2024 yet? No, no, we have, um, you know, my, my racing future is pretty much set. I'm, I don't want to say I'm getting old, but I'm, getting, I'm not getting any You're not getting old. Yeah. I'm not getting any. I'm younger. already old. You're not. We, um, you know, our, our 350, I bought Proud's uh, Super last year and I brought it out to Hawksby's in November. Um, we've completely rebuilt the whole thing, updated the entire rear suspension, updated the entire front, you know, bought all the lightweight, best of the best, um, top-notch car and unfortunately we just ran out of time with my business super busy you know if you don't work all the time you can't afford to play all the time <laughs> yes so, i know <laughs> right, so i don't have all the time that i need but uh, we we're shooting to get it out for this coming weekend and then for classic um but uh, time just didn't allow of it for for joey and i both so um, i decided to pull the plug on that for this year and um, which was good for both joey and i we can get the car finished up get it 100 percent correct um you know go through with the way I am meticulous with my race cars and, and have it ready for opening day of 2024. So um, we're going to have top notch 350, you know, ready to go for the 2024 20, season. And then uh, we're going to have our, our big block ready for the 2024 season also. So um, nice. I'm hoping that, that they've been discussions about some changes and stuff for next year. I'm hoping they follow through with it and, um, you know, we can continue on a full season of big block racing, but I'm also going to uh, run the 350 as much as possible next year also. So um, we're not, we're not opposed to um, buying out into the, to the smack engine program and having, you know, multiple engines so we can go run the smack series. Cause uh, as much as I hate the fact that they are doing their own series, um, and not sticking with what us tracks are doing for the 350 and the, the solid crates and everything. And they are doing great things with their traveling series. So you, you got to credit them as much as he, even if you don't agree with everything that they're doing, they are doing very good for their smack traveling series, which uh, traveling series, you know, me, I've always been a fan of traveling series. Yeah. So, um, so we're not opposed to supporting some of their shows when they don't conflict with our Swigel schedule. Um, you know, we got some really, really great partners that have jumped on board with me um, this, this coming year, really um, over the last winter and, and this coming summer. And um, they're all very big Oswego Speedway supporters. So uh, we're definitely hundred percent on board with, with running our big block and as many 350 shows as we can for the 2024 season. As long as, work and business allows for it and as long as i have two arms and two legs i'll be running to swigo wow now um when when you say run both are you talking about you're going to race in both as in double duty or are you going to run the 350 and maybe um little brother gets a chance to jump in that car no i don't know i don't know if my little brother's days are here or there <laughs> Cars, right? so our SPS car sitting there. I tried, um, Robbo. <laughs> I know my brother's got a niche. He wants to. He wants to race, but um, you know, we we struggled tremendously when I didn't have my brother. He's always been, you know, my uh, 
you know, my right-hand man at the racetrack and even at the shop during the week and everything. And the year that I tried letting him run, um, I just I struggled not having him. So, yeah. so we're kind of on the same page where, uh, you know, where he's, he's my guy and, and, and I'm the driver type thing. And, and I was actually just bragging. I was talking to Greg for this past, past weekend about it. Cause, uh, he told me about him and his brother and the way that they got started in yeah. racing there years ago in the SBS division. And, uh, and, you know, I've, I've tried, you know, I've tried doing it. So we might be able to do something. You might see Robbo behind the wheel or something, but it won't be anything permanent by any means, but you know, we'll have two top notch cars that, that we can, we can play with, but uh, I don't know that we're going to, I get the itch to do the Isma deal, but, uh, but I also see, you know, there's teams out there, you know, like Danny Connors, who's been running great this year. Um, that's just going out and he's getting out motored and is my deal. And, and he, he flat out told me that, you know, this past weekend, you know, so unless you have the, the 40, 50, 60, however many thousand dollars to buy an ISMA engine to be able to go out and compete for wins. Um, you know, I don't, I don't like going to the track knowing that I'm a fifth or eighth or 10th place car, yeah. you know, there's no point in me going, you know, I, so if, if I can't, uh, if I can't fund an ISMA engine for a, a ISMA program next year, then my super will sit for the ISMA shows and, and I'll run my 350 on those off nights. So the double duty days are about over for my, for me, for me, it's just, it's too much to, it, it, there was funny, a lot of these weeks last this past year, cause even last year we ran the super, the last couple of races we ran the super and the 350 beating our heads against the wall. And, and the first few races this year, you know, we're all sitting around in the trailer like, man, are we forgetting something? Are we forgetting this? Because we're just not used <laughs> yeah, to being we have able to all this sit. free time. Yeah. You know, you want to make a, you want to make a, a, a sandwich or something and have a bottle of water, you know, you have yeah. time to do it now. So, so the double duty days are, uh, and, and running my crew and, and my, I got a, good great handful of you know three four guys and and a couple of our girlfriends and then my girlfriend carly and my brother's girlfriend and uh um you know i don't want to run us all ramping too much doing two cars i'm sure we'll end up doing it because that's just how i am but not every week <laughs> okay so that's i guess i was trying to be a little bit uh humorous and also fish out of you is this a weekly two-car deal and no you're gonna have them both you're gonna run them both but you're not necessarily gonna run them both on a weekly basis yeah, yeah. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna pick and choose and race what we want when we want to and and uh, and go from there. So my sister's getting married next year. Oh and wow! Just found out last night that that is on the Mister Super Modified 10K to Win race. So oh now uh, how did she like? Do you know like do you have all these off months right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She she was very um, picky with her date. That's just the way my sister is, and she found a date that fit for 17 different reasons and uh and hopefully she's only getting married once or i'm gonna have to bury the bury the the son-in-law or brother (laughs) so hopefully she's only getting married once and uh you know if i gotta miss one race for as much she supported me then then i I miss a race it's not that big of a deal to me so if if she gets married at noon you know what i mean (laughs) we 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 discussed that. I told her. Can I said, you work right, with I, that a little bit? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I show up with can I show up with my suit and and come back for the reunion and uh, you know we we get her wound up and tease her all the time about it. So get married uh, at the start finish line and Roy Silva could announce it. The the uh, the weddings <laughs> in Watertown, so we're praying. Oh boy. For- 
We're, we're praying for rain in Oswego. That there you go. Rain. Yeah. A nice Sunday show, that, uh, that deal. Um, that's what you need. That's funny. Well, all right, man. Well, listen, um, I, two things. First of all, um, talk about your sponsors and then talk about your team because I know that, uh, again, a lot of people have to go into uh, making all this stuff happen, especially the way that you do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's the super modified racing has been our own gig um, this year since we parted with, with Rich. He's always, he still has been supportive of me, you know, in victory lane. Sure. He's one of the people that are giving me a high five and a hug and saying, you know, he still thinks I'm a, I'm a rock star of a driver. So I've always appreciated him for that. But, um, you know, Bobby Magner has been with us full time this year and um, which has been tremendous for my racing career. Um, back in 2014 when his brother was driving our other SBS car, Bobby and I worked like hand in hand and, yeah. and for whatever reason we just click all the time um so he's been huge huge help um larry moroski has been with us full-time this year with the super um which has been tremendous he he doesn't mind coming over to the shop um he's been around racing for ever, not ever but a long time long time <laughs> yes been around for a long time so he's he's great knowledge and help um, my little brother obviously has been tremendously um he's always you know if i need help with anything he's there um his girlfriend nicole she's been an absolute sweetheart helping us out she's been um taking great notes for us she nice. she was even holding the the idol high on the big block when we were warming it up last weekend <laughs> One of the photographers got a picture. I got to find it because it's just a. Uh, she's just a sweetheart and does so much to help us. That's and, great. My uh, father comes with us every week, and uh, he's he's taken more of a relaxed role nowadays, um, and just kind of letting me and my brother do our thing. Good. And, uh, he just oversees everything, which is good because I, I hated running him rampant. But it's always good to have my father's knowledge there because he's not one to tell me that hey, uh, you're kind of being a dummy on this or. Uh, <laughs> You know, this way so he speaks his mind and and then always has our back on it and then cool you know girlfriend carly who she you know she, she's the she's the warrior of it all that puts up with my my shenanigans <laughs> my shenanigans uh she's got a birthday coming up right after classic this year and we're trying to decide if we're going to go to go to star or if we're going to go to evans mills with the big block or if we're going to take off and go to a beach in florida for the weekend so <laughs> every year we're usually at a racetrack for her birthday and and you know she just she's always been supportive of everything i do and and then uh you know we got we signed on lighthouse lanes this year um hope reached out to me um to be a fuel sponsor for me this year oh nice been, um tremendous help him Kristen, everybody that's down there at the bowling alley um I think I I think I pay for the sponsor between chicken wings and beer after the races, but uh, <laughs> but it does both hands wash both hands and it's worked out very good for both of us and um, we Bruce Electric signed on again this year and that was my uncle's company for quite a few years and when he retired he sold it to his partner Dennis oh, and okay. Dennis a great help to me the the last two three years since uh, three years since we did super modified racing he's been a huge uh, supporter. Uh, Millennium Music, he's been with me uh, 12 years, I think, since 13 years now, since I started in 2010, Ronzo, a DJ, uh, Millennium Music. Um, he's been sponsoring me for 13 years up here at the Speedway. And we signed on uh, East Coast Steel Co. Steel, Steve Hutchinson, it's Carly's cousin. Um, he came on board and helped us out this year. Okay. And then um, we picked up another one mid-summer through. Um, my buddy Billy, he is a manager over to Bona's restaurant here in the city. Ah. And, and I went and, and I had dinner at his restaurant. I just sent him a message said, hey, you know, staff is great, food is great, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, if you go out and win tonight, he's like, I'll give you a, a sponsorship. 
and it was the <laughs> yes, first sir. Of 40 night. And I sent him my Tom, I'm not kidding. I sent him a message. I was like, yeah, actually, that's not going to happen. I said, I've been struggling this year. And he's like, I got faith in you, kid. Do it. And that night, we ended up winning our first twin 40. And he was one of the first messages I had in my phone. He's like, stop by the stop by Monday. I got a check for you, you know. So Good for uh, him. It's a bonus for for being stand up and taking care of us on that one. So I'm lucky with everybody I got. It's been a, you know, it's a big, we all work hard for what we do. I bust my butt for everything I, I got going and, and uh, my family, you know, my mother, my father, my yeah. sisters, um, everybody is just super supportive. My aunt and uncle, you know, we got people that are down in Georgia that, that follow us on flow every week that nice. ordered our stuff like that. And, and family down in Florida that watch on flow and, and, uh, and you know it's it's a big big family affair. It always has been, which is special and and fun for me. Well, um, always fun to catch up with you, and I feel like we could spend another thirty minutes uh, doing that. Uh, and and but we'll save that for another show as an excuse to get you back on. Um, so uh, I'll let, I'll let you out of here with one more question though. You you mentioned you've still got. I mean, the three fifty's not coming out, but you got the SBS there. Any chance we see that for the classic? No, 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 no. That car, we uh, we got it clipped in some bumpers and nerf bars, but it sits bare chassis. And, okay. And the, so, um, we do possibly have some wheeling and dealing for um, – we were trying for three, all three divisions this year, um, not because I wanted to, but because I wanted to. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Robbie Gunther and I have offered me up their car. Um, oh, the- you drove it once already, right, a couple of weeks ago? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we had a pretty good showing with it. Um, so I, I, we haven't discussed all the details, but um, but that's my ride. If if I wanted it from the last conversations we had, um, I rebuilt that car for him this winter and tried helping Ryan. But Ryan uh, got soul, shoulder surgery, possibly, I think is what Ouch. it was. And he's been out and uh, and not rushing it. So um, so I may or may not be behind the seat of an SBS car um, if time allows for it and we can get everything in plan. So um, Robbie's been great to work with and, and Ryan both and, and, uh, and we're trying for a 350 deal. But the, the, the thing is, is if we do the other cars, we need to be able to get in with uh, teams or people that have the ability to um, help us with the cars because right. we can't, right. we can't do all three cars and divisions and, and do them correctly. So if I can bounce around as a driver, I feel like I could get the job done um, just to be, I don't think anybody's ever done three divisions in one day, you know, just to be that person they can talk about, I guess, for, for a half hour. So yeah, that's, that's yeah. interesting. I, I, um, I don't know that, I don't know that that's, uh, ever happened now that you say that. Um, and you know, somehow Robbie's, uh, somehow the, the Gunther's car seems perfect. It's your number. Yeah. <laughs> that <was laughs> Double deuce. Weird how that, one all, that one all worked out. But and that explains Hof jumping on your car, too. You got the it's double deuce. You got the right number. See, that's uh, that's the, the yeah. whole key there. We we were talking about that briefly at the, uh, not the old timers reunion, but the, the throwback night that they just had a couple retro, of Retro, yeah, yeah. The retro night, yeah. And I've always wanted to do, and I, and I probably shouldn't say this because it won't be a surprise next year, but I've already told enough people, but I always wanted to do a, a retro night for Bobby when he drove Hallbrook's cars back in the day that my parents worked on. Okay. And those are days when I think back to Soga Speedway as a kid and I was in the grandstands, that's who I remember was the Hallbrook crews, the Bobby Magners, the red, okay. white, and blue yep. our ice cars. And I had a red blue chassis like they always ran. I had the red body this year. We wrapped it with a lot of white, but that's all red underneath. And I was like, man, it'd be sweet if I could retro 
you know, Magner's my crew chief. He's with me every week. If I could retro one of his old, you know, old car looks. And then somebody shared a picture of Bobby when he won the 10,000 to win race with yep. Hope yep. in the white and blue 22 car that they had in victory lane. And, and I had a couple different people tell me how similar um, my girlfriend's sister, Carrie actually was one to look at the picture quick. And she thought that it was me. And it was actually Bobby because we had the same color skin and, and dark hair or whatever. And oh, she that's funny. So and when I saw that, Carlson, that that'd be a cool thing for a, a retro night some year if I have the ability to, to do that for for both my sponsors, Lighthouse Lanes, and for, you know, my, my right-hand man, Bobby. So well, maybe, maybe we'll do something next year. Yeah, on that, that would be fun. Well, uh, you know, like I said, uh, always a pleasure to have you on and um, look forward to seeing what you can do. Over the next couple of weeks, hopefully you get the uh, the car to stay strong for 200 laps, have a nice run in the Classic, and round out your season in a nice uh, sort of way. But you got two wins, and that certainly um, is something to talk about for sure, especially in this day and age where, like like we said, it's hard to win a race at Oswego now because um, so many cars are equal. And so um, congratulations on the wins, and uh, look forward to seeing – uh, how things go for you. Hopefully, um, you know, if you go out and win the classic, we'll have you back on. Awesome time. I really appreciate the time and thanks for the good looks. It's time for what's in a number. And this week's what's in a number number is 23. So let's talk about the number 23 in the context of Oswego Speedway and super modified history. And again, most of these outside of Oswego, unless they came to Oswego or were very, you know, a number of a very well-known driver, whatever car, um, you know, I, I do my best. Uh, but part of what I wish happened more is that those who are from New England or Ohio would jump in and on some of these numbers um, talk about the history of the number at Sandusky and Ohio, you know, in that area, you know, Michigan, Trisac, um, and uh, of course, uh, New England and Nesmera, yeah, Nesmera and whatever, uh, Isma, um, because sometimes I miss. But um, we'll see. This one, I, I don't feel like the 23 has been used at Oswego as often as other numbers have. And I feel like there's been a bit of variety within it. So um, we'll, we'll give it our best here. And again, um, I start generally from the seventies forward, unless I know something in the sixties. In this case, I might, because I don't know exactly when it was that Nick Virgo owned his number 23 that Jim Muldoon drove. I don't know if that was late sixties or maybe it wasn't till like 1970 or whatever, but um, at some point that happened. And I think that's the first 23 that my memory brings to me, even though I never saw it race until Jim bought the car. And I think around 74, was when this happened and he, he, uh, re kind of re reworked it or whatever, rebuilt it. Um, and made it. That's the number 68. And that, that was, uh, it was a maroon car. And 
um, Jim had that. So that was the first 23 that I have memory of. Now, um, I think the next one was uh, Paige Reynolds. Paige was a driver, I think, from Texas. And if I remember right, I think Paige was a little guy, like not an age, but just like size. He was, I think he was a smaller guy. Um, and I think he had a, I think it was a built height car. I think it was a rear engine car, wasn't it? And he, uh, he came here. I don't remember the year. Again, I'm thinking mid seventies here. Um, it had to be probably 75, maybe 76, somewhere in there. And Paige, um, Paige ran pretty well. And then I think, uh, I don't really remember too much about kind of how he finished or any specific moments in the rear engine car. But I, I believe if I remember right, I think it was either 76, I think it was 76. He came with a sprint car. And I think he had a, he crashed it into the wall in turn one, I think. Now, I was not there. This is one of the rare times when, for whatever reason, I was, I missed, I think it was during practice. And I don't think I was there yet because I didn't, I don't remember seeing it. I think I heard about it. And um, not sure why I was late because those of you who know me and have known me for a while know that back when I was a kid, my goal is to be the first one standing at the gate when it opened. <laughs> I didn't want to miss anything, but um, for whatever reason. So yeah, I think, uh, and I think Paige's helmet came off. I think he got a concussion out of that. Um, and I, you know, I almost want to say that, um, but no, I don't think he did. I was gonna, I was, I was gonna say I think he came back with the ranching car after that, but I'm not sure that he did. Um. And I don't recall another 23 until a couple of years later when Joe Haluka, who used to drive Supers and then owned one, he and Johnny Spencer had been a team prior in the very early 70s, and Johnny had a bad fire in Joe's 06 car. And um, they rebuilt that car into an offset car and brought it out in 78 maybe um and boy johnny did well with it johnny was always a driver who he was very um what i would call methodical he was kind of conservative he wasn't the hardest charger you didn't often see johnny put a car in the fence he you know he really I think his mentality was make sure we finish. And so, um, but Johnny, especially early in that season, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that it was 78 early in, in that season, he had some top five runs and really looked strong. And then by 79, I think he was out again with it. Well, yeah, he was, I know he was, he was out again with it in 79 and for whatever reason, I don't know if if 
if it was something in their performance or it was just that we had a few more offset cars and, you know, guys with bigger motors or whatever, but it just didn't seem like he had the kind of results in 79 that he had in 78. He kind of looked average and um, ran, obviously, was he, Johnny was was the, the car that spun in the 79 Classic um, not far in front of the two leaders, which were the two eight balls, Jimmy in the front engine and Warren Conium in the rear engine car, and, and they sort of split him. Warren went to the top, got around him. Jimmy tried going low and just clipped his front end. It was enough to do some damage to his car and put Jimmy out. And um, we all know the result of that classic with Warren in the rear engine car. But um, I hate that Johnny kind of gets known for that. I always hate seeing drivers that, you know, are in these sort of unfortunate moments in history. Because certainly it was not Johnny's fault. I mean, you know, um, but you, you know, we he was he, he was that car, and I don't think they came back after that. I think that was the last year they ran. I think, I think maybe Timmy Nelson drove that car once or twice. That might have been his first actual times in the super was in that car for whatever reason. I think I remember that. Um. And then it ended up, I think that was Gary Morton's first car. And then it went, who did it go to? Oh, Troy Halsey, right? Didn't Troy buy it from Gary? I think he did. Wasn't it the, the, the first, what was he, 34, I think? 30, was that his, 34? Um, so I think that's where it went. I don't know where it went after that. I don't know if it went anywhere. But that's that's uh, that's a car that, that has some history to it, but it was it was 23 during Joe Haluka's tenure as the owner of it, and uh, of course Gary made it 70. That was the, the the number his older brother Dave ran for most of his career until he started ride hopping in other people's cars. But so um, then um, there was and and I'm gonna I can see the car in front of me. This is Mike Douglas. Okay, good. I am so glad that came to me. Mike Douglas was the blue 23 out of New England. Um, And Mike ran, I don't think he was ever a regular, maybe he was for a year or two, but uh, at Oswego, but he, he, he raced in the the bigger races or the, you know, the classic particularly, I think Um, nice guy, really, really super nice guy. I remember getting his autograph a couple of times, just, just, you know, again, nice, nice man to talk to. Um, and so Mike, uh, Mike had the 23, uh, and that's it. Once, once we go beyond Mike, um, boy, this is again, as we get closer, you'd think it'd be the other way around, wouldn't you? But with, with my brain, for whatever reason, um, it's kind of like my vision now. I used to I used to not see as good far away as I do close up, and then when you get older, it changes, it flips. You see better farther away than you do closer up. Um, so now I have trifocals, and if you're not if, if if you're young enough to not have trifocals yet, don't rush it. Uh, so beyond Mike Douglas, um, boy, I'm trying to think. 
it's sad, but I, and I'm probably going to get caught. Somebody had a 23 that, that this is what always happens. And Larry Turkey goes, I can't believe you forgot. Um, <laughs> Larry, Larry's brain, Larry's one brain cell is apparently still better than my one brain cell. Um, Because the next one I remember is Danny Kay and the SVS. Isn't that sad? I know there's got to be somebody, Isma-wise or something. But in terms of regular cars at Oswego, I don't know if we've had a 23 in a while. Um, Danny Kay is, has made that an iconic number in the in the SVS division. He has definitely cemented that number as, as one of the premier numbers of all time in the SVS class. Now, in the 350... Um, he is running as 32. Um, and um, yeah, so I, I'm trying to think as far as big blocks. Um, I just can't think of any other ones, but somebody probably will. I, I will point out, and I, I, I'm going to apologize here. Bob Hofer, I'm sorry. <laughs> I owe you a huge apology, Hope. I'm sorry. Um, because when I did the last show, which we did the number 22, I totally forgot about Double Deuce Racing. I can't believe I did that. But again, there's my brain for you. Um, there's gaps now. There's there's tabs stuck open. You know, there's one playing music. I can never figure out which one it is. Uh, it's, um, I forgot all about Double Deuce Racing and and I can't believe I did that because uh, Bob Hofer and and that whole team were one of the best of that era, uh, their era of time as 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 a team. And uh, Michael Barnes, um, gosh, uh, I mean, there were there were I I think uh, Bentley, obviously. um, Oh, my. Um, I know I'm missing at least a few, but, um, that drove for him and, um, just a, a great guy. And, and boy, the, the, the lighthouse lanes, the bowling alley is just, they have, they have done such an amazing job keeping that place up. And, uh, it is still, I think, as far as I know, it is still one of, um, the main pastimes in, uh, Oswego, over the winter bowling is still a big deal, but, um, you know, he's got a really nice kind of bar area for, um, you know, the bunch of TVs. I know it's big for uh, when I was up there and would stay with mom, I would, you know, go there for football games and stuff. If they weren't on uh, regular cable, cause I'm a chargers fan. And obviously they're from, um, California, no interest in, um, it, 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 no interesting moving there, obviously, but, um, definitely like the football team. And so I used to go there and, and want to watch the chargers games if they weren't on nationally. So, um, again, Bob, I'm sorry. And thank you, Larry, for catching that one. I can't believe, but it's, you know, I have a Jack Patrick moment once in a while. It's like, well, he's racing the number right now. Um, and uh, Hofer uh, obviously is no longer a car owner, but um, now Mike Bruce has the 22, and um, and and Bob is is I think on board with that. So and and of course uh, Ryan Gunther in the SBS class uh, with that number as well. So 
there you go. I think I, uh, I think I got as many of the 23s as I could remember. Um, 24 will be interesting. Cause again, I don't know that that's been used a whole lot, but we'll, we'll get to that. Um, so it, that should be fun. So there's your, what's in the number. And, um, we're going to, at th- that point, we're going to bring this show to a close because I'm going to immediately get this thing put together, get it out for you so that I can start working on the next show uh, this week. So we're going to have two. We're going to have two shows this, but you know, it, this is Wednesday. So it'll probably be one, hopefully tonight, and then one, um, you know, one on Friday or Saturday. We'll have the next one out. Um, so back to back and we'll have on uh, the next show, we'll have Jeff Abold talking about his triple crown win. And, you know, I'm sure we'll discuss uh, the end of this season and classic and all of that good stuff. Jeff's always a, a fun guest. I look forward to talking to always some great insights. And then um, we'll have Camden proud. And I'm sure that'll be, you know, Cam and I can't do a 10 minute interview. So <laughs> we'll have all kinds of uh, thoughts for you and previews and reviews and all that good stuff. So, um, two shows coming up this week. So uh, glad to be back. Thank you as always to all of you who support and, and share this show. And um, you know, we uh, we're excited to run up to classic here and working on something. I cannot be at the classic, unfortunately, because I have a commitment at Hickory motor speedway with a client of mine on, on that night on Saturday night, uh, which is one of their biggest races of the year. So um, I will be in tune all weekend, however, with the events and um, working on something for Sunday for those of us who can't be there working on definitely going to do something, but I'm working on a certain thing um, that if I can pull it off and I'm, I'm, I'm not a technological, I'm not smarter than a fifth grader. So we're just trying to, there's a few things we're trying to get into place because I have something I would like to do for that day that I think would be a lot of fun, but we're going to do it. We're going to do a modified version of it either way. Um, it'll either be, we'll do it this way or do it the other way, but we're going to do, we're going to do something uh, on classic day to, to have some fun. So um, look forward to that. And um, that'll be it. We're going to close this groove. Thanks to our sponsors and also to all of you. And we'll be back in rapid fashion this week with the next episode of the Inside Groove Super Modified Podcast. Until then, I'm Tom Baker. Be safe, God bless, and so long. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.